Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Euphoria Health Podcast. For any new listeners out there, my name is Matt Zapala and I am your host. I started this platform, the Euphoria Health Podcast, way back in 2018 to educate and inspire people on how to create a happier, healthier and more sustainable life. I'm a qualified personal trainer and currently studying a Bachelor of Health Science majoring in nutrition. My main goal for this platform and through everything that I'm doing is not to be your quick fix, but to be your only fix. I'm joined this week by superstar personal trainer and wellness advocate Libby Babbitt. For anyone that has heard of The Biggest Loser, you'll remember Libby from the show. This ball of energy is so exciting and the conversation we had today was really, really thought-provoking. I really loved Libby's coaching philosophy and loved watching her on the show. She gave her team the utmost support through a sustainable way. The Biggest Loser Transform was a season in which the trainers worked with the contestants for six months, helping them not only lose weight and transform their lives, but adjust to normal life outside the Biggest Loser house. The traditional Biggest Loser environment before the Biggest Loser Transform is an extremely unique place in which the contestants stay in this controlled environment that does not replicate the challenges or temptations from everyday life. So to have the ability to follow the contestants into their natural environments being their homes and and follow their journey and help them create sustainable changes in their own environment is incredible. That exact method is everything that I preach through my coaching philosophy. It was such a shame that The Biggest Loser Transformed only lasted one season and I guess it really showcases how ingrained the quick fix mentality is in our society. Libby is an incredible trainer with over a decade of experience in the fitness industry. Her approach to coaching empowers her clients to understand what it takes to make changes that last a lifetime. Her positivity and vibrancy is one of the most amazing ways that she engages her members and I was so grateful to be able to sit down and unpack her incredible journey while sharing some vital tips with you all today. Don't forget to leave a rating and review for the show on iTunes friends and send this episode to a friend or family member. Whether you're lacing up your shoes to go for a run or smearing some peanut butter on your toast for breakfast, I really hope you enjoy the show. I definitely got a lot out of it. So I'll see you guys on the other side. Libby Babette, welcome to the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. I apologize in advance for my child's toys in the background, but uh, it is what it is. I love it. That's character to the podcast. Now, Libby, I was just asking you how to pronounce your surname and you gave me the most amazing description. <laughs> so for you guys at home that weren't hearing that, it was Libby Baguette, but babe with a T on the end. <laughs> it's Babette. Sounds like Baguette. It's the only way to say it. Otherwise, everyone's like Babe, Baby, Reggie. <laughs> Baguette yeah, and spell babe with a T. I love it. So, so good. Off to a fantastic start. Now, Libby, you are an incredible woman. You're a boss lady, an entrepreneur, a business owner, a mum, a fitness professional. And, you know, everyone knows you from the epic trainer on The Big Sleezer, which I can't wait to get into that later on. I'm so pumped to have you on the show. But first, I want to get to know this situation that's happening in, in the world at the moment. How are you dealing with COVID-19? It's, it's a crazy thing that's rocked the whole world. But how are you going personally? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And, you know, it's it's hard because it's one of those things where I feel like unless you're really touched by it, it's almost a bit of a weird illusion in a way. Um, you know, there are people who've had their whole lives and families torn apart from it, not just by being apart, but from family members passing away, being sick for months, being in the ICU. Like, you know, it definitely is a, a big, big deal. And then for those of us in Australia who quickly had to retreat into our bubbles, it's um, it's this weird sense of just I don't know um, how the world works has changed and it's and yeah it can feel like this weird illusion in a lot of ways um, and constriction and you know separation from families and you know I like everyone else swing between like have we had enough can I go see my sister now please to know this is serious and we need to kind of lock this down so. 
Um, yeah, I think it's just a, a strange year. But, you know, I think if this had happened to me 10 years ago, when I was 28, not 38, um, it would have seemed such a, a, a more confusing thing than it has now at 38 because I've had my own businesses for a dozen years and weird and horrible shit comes up all the time. Like there's not a quarter that goes by that there's not some massive issue that we have to deal with that changes the way we live, that changes whether we have money or no money, whether our businesses are open or shut. And so from a day-to-day life perspective for me, uh, I probably didn't react in too much of a dramatic way. I kind of just went, well, this is big. What does it mean for us personally? Move forward. How can we adapt? How can we help our community? It's just another one of those things. Although it's a big one, I think um, one amazing thing about being in business and particularly SME for such a long time is that terrible stuff is normal. (laughs) And, you know, sometimes having absolutely no money and having to come back from the brink is normal. And um, same thing as a mum of a toddler probably. Like you're you're always, I I think particularly mumhood has taught me that instead of, reacting we have to just understand that this is life and you just adapt in the best way you can and uh, it's not personal so yeah it's been okay I mean there have been there was moments where I was like we'll probably have to shut our doors but again it wasn't that emotional it was just like what will we do then Um, luckily we've managed to stay open so we've done everything we could and we've got there so we're open again now luckily being in New South Wales hopefully it stays that way for you guys down in Victoria oh my god I just yeah it would have been a long time to be shut for the amount of time you guys were down so we feel for you yeah definitely it's a crazy experience that sort of rocked the world and um you know I was saying to you off air that for the first couple of months I was sort of like in denial and, and really angry at the world and it sort of got to me emotionally and then something just flicked inside of me to start controlling the things that I can control and that shouldn't change yeah. my whole outlook on this whole situation as you touched on it before you know like life's a crazy ride you've got to deal with these negative situations and positive situations and everything that life throws at you otherwise you just get beat down so not taking away from how challenging this can be for certain people but this Mm. is a really great reflective time and I was um chatting with a fair few people on the podcast about that actually how they've actually channeled their energy into productivity and really in embrace the slowed down connection aspect as well and I think that's really really relevant that if we can all start to focus on some positive things out of the situation we'll get through. I I think you're completely right you know it's in it actually has probably been um, I mean if I look back on life for me all the times that have been the most challenging and when I've had the most growth um, or the most uh, resilience building. And I think this whole generation is now getting that in one big boom. And as, as hard as it is, it will be better in the long run. You know, even now coming out of it, I'm not trying to be funny, but, you know, <laughs> it sounds like I'm like the dad that's like, when I went to school, I had to walk 10 kilometres and milk a cow on the way for my <laughs> breakfast. However, you know, when we came, when I came out of uni, like keeping in mind that, you know, pretty old these days, but when I came out, it was like there was – we worked for free for ages in any profession we had like everyone understood that you worked for free for a long time then for barely anything you just put yourself out there you worked day and night and weekends and the people that kind of churned the most got the furthest and um I sort of saw that as well when I started to become an employer for the first few years and then all of a sudden it changed like with the onset of social media and a lot of this kind of celebrity influence it was like there was this generation of people coming through and I don't mean this to be a dick but where it was like that their sense of self-worth when they had no experience was hugely inflated and you know I had students coming out of PT school that you know they graduated last week and they wanted $120 to teach a 45 minute circuit session the next and you know no so it's been really interesting for me throughout this COVID time suddenly we're seeing all these young guns now be like I would love to work hard for you and I would never make them work for free but you know they're they're coming out saying I will do anything and I want to be a part of this and I want to build a career and that language again that was back in you know our day is coming back and to be honest it's really nice to see people appreciating work and appreciating working hard to build a career rather than just you know thinking they can step in and and be a god or a goddess 
And um, because that is really important, you know, and this lesson will continue to get delivered to people throughout their entire lives. So you have to learn it at some point and again and again. And it's actually really nice to people loving and appreciating work even from a consumer point of view, like customers coming to the gym, just so happy to be there. And rather than like rushing and getting it done, they're like, look at this time I've created for myself. I'm so excited to be in a physical space. Um, and that's been awesome to watch, you know, and even for myself, like I've stopped saying yes to every social connection, but I'm saying yes to the ones that I'm really excited for. And I'm really giving them my attention. And instead of, you know, bad habits I'd personally picked up were, we get so busy, we're on our phones, you know, I'm like doing this, like, yeah, Matt, that's cool. But, you know, instead of that, the social connections that I'm making time for and space for, this is, you know, going in the bag and it's not coming out and we're really connecting. I think it's, it's been great for many of us to have that little reset. So I'm not, I, although it's not an ideal situation, there are definitely positives that have come out of it and productivity and creativity, like even our industry, it's online in a way it's never been online before, live and engaging and raw instead of this, you know, waiting to have a perfect $10,000 video shoot for fitness. There's people that are like, here we are, we're working out. Oh, damn, I knocked over a water bottle halfway through, but let's keep going. Like, you know, it's it's raw and it's real and it's here from an online space. And I think that's really cool. So creatively and personally and socially, it's been pretty good. But you know, obviously financially, it's been a challenge for everyone. And socially, like, I miss my sister. <laughs> yeah, definitely, Livy. Everything that you said is just like raising alarm bells in my head. I absolutely love that. And it's so, so true. You know, like out of this adverse situation, we're seeing people take a leap of faith and sort of expose themselves in ways that they've never done before. Like every fitness instructor is turning online, which is fantastic. And for the common good, it's like it's so easy for people to access these sorts of resources to be able to move their body in ways that, you know, maybe they never have before, which is really, really exciting. Like I was listening to a podcast the other day and um, these trainers were talking about how at this point in time, every trainer is coming online and, and going to do these video instructions. And he was trying to encourage people to take a different avenue about it and really like try and find a unique niche in this period. Like, yes, everyone's going online for free, but with that, there's also a lack of accountability that comes into place. So maybe you could just be the trainer that checks in on your client three times a day to see how they're progressing, like follows their, their macronutrients or like, you know, checks their step count, like all these different creative aspects of, of fitness are really coming out to play, which is so exciting. I think it is really exciting and it's, yeah, it's super exciting. And you know who it's great for is mums. I've got so many mum clients that would be like coming in once a week for the only time they could get off. And now they're like, great, I still come in once a week, but I can train another four times a week online. And I think that's really cool. The one thing that is um, a challenge, I think, is um, being able to really watch your clients and, you know, um, be able to adjust them personally and you know all that jazz and I think that's probably the only hard thing for those of us who have been in the industry a long time really understand the body really love that what we bring to the table is being able to spot an incorrect movement pattern or maybe a um you know something someone's picked up that that is is not doing them you know they're not moving in the right way their cause not engaging the right way you know that's the only hard thing for me is understanding that all these people joining us from home they they might not always be getting my personal adjustment and the improvement that I know they can get from that. But at the same time, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's a small price to pay for more movement overall, I think. So <laughs> hopefully we can slowly build, you know, educational tutorials around that rather than just the workout being delivered. But yeah, turning downside. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a whole other conversation in itself, you know, like getting people moving, I think for me is the first step. And then like technical corrections can come after that. If you're getting a yeah. person that's really sedentary, you need to get them moving before you can start focusing on their technique. Not only can it be disheartening for them if they're constantly being corrected, but, you know, you're fixing a bigger problem before you've even got the core issue sorted. So yeah, like you said, more yeah. movement is fantastic for this period. Yeah. Step one. I know. It's really interesting. I think one of the the things people have to be careful of just to get a little bit practical for a minute um, with all these lockdowns is people have forgotten that even if they have to wear a mask doing it, they can still walk and shoot. <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's really interesting. Like um, I am a big believer in getting your base step count. And I know this sounds so basic, but when you 
get it to a level that is great, productive, or how much a human body should realistically move per day, um, a lot of the other stuff, it just becomes a bonus. Your body will come into line for the most part really, really well. Like I, what I kind of saw when I started asking people how to check their, you know, their step counts, their Apple Watch, whatever it might be in lockdown, was people had gone down right down to three to 5,000 steps a day, a lot of them, even with their online workouts. So one thing I always have been encouraged people is, is the workout again is step two. If we're looking at a video game, you know, level one on this video game is getting your steps up ideally about 12,000 for everyone else that is out there. And that whenever I say that to people, they say 12,000 is so much, but actually it's not. It's, you know, it's the minimum that people in the blue zones, which are the, the zones around the world where people live longest and healthiest, move every single day, whether they're three or 93. And, you know, we forget here that we have access to that. And people often say, how can I do that working from home? It's like, well, you know, work for 50 minutes and then work for 10 and then work for 50 and walk for 10. Give yourself productivity blocks where you actually go, I'm going to get as much of this project as I can done in 50 minutes, which also gives you a time frame to gun for, stops you reaching for the fridge because you've got a goal in that 50 minutes, and then take a 10-minute power walk around the block, get the heart rate up, come back. Because those steps, when you get up around that, and look, you might not get 12,000 every day, but I like to say six days out of every seven, try and hit that 12,000 mark or as close to it as you can, because that way your system is working well, your cardio system's getting what it needs, you know, you're getting enough blood flow around your body, you're getting that basic movement that helps you to stay at a generally healthy level. And people have forgotten that during this. They're like, but I'm getting my online workout in a day and I don't know why I'm still feeling sluggish. It's like, because your body is a pump system and you're sitting still. We're made to move and, you know, there's a whole caveat of different hosts of problems that come from incidentary all the time and on that note Libby I, I was scrolling through Strava the other day and I saw this dude and and he posted something about when Paris were in like complete stage four lockdowns where they couldn't leave the house and this dude ran a marathon in his house like if that can or what like he's just showing that he can't get outside to run marathons and he loves moving his body but he's just finding absolute any way to get moving and like to run a marathon in your hallway is the most dull thing ever but wow I found that so inspiring that is actually really inspiring and you know what like there are thousands of trainers I need to be adding myself to this so thank you for the reminder but there are so many trainers around the world who've done like 1,000 step workouts 2,000 step workouts there's this woman that's done a 10,000 step workout in your house and it's low impact it's just stepping but all in different ways with music so that you kind of feel a bit vibey about it, it takes half an hour to get 10,000 steps in her workout so and it's not particularly hard I think anyone could do it um, it's just a lot of stepping this way stepping that way and it's continual movement for half an hour 10,000 steps so if you can't find half five half an hour in your day to do that or to, to cumulatively do that through say you know six little five minute 1000 step workouts then you know what are you doing um it's it's one of those things you put priorities where you want to in life and is it that you've got in that five minute break you're scanning this thing this is my daughter cute um, <laughs> but you might be again like scanning this for five minutes looking at goodness knows what um or you might be you know i don't know whatever it is, but if you could just spend five minutes doing your movement, you know, I've had people that I've changed their complete health by just saying, wake up and in your pajamas, do five minutes of strength work and then get your 10 to 12,000 steps. And, and it, their health changes completely. So, you know, it's just a little bit of a, a focus on it. So. Yeah. yeah, definitely. On that note, Libby, I've been encouraging my clients that have been working from home to do 15 star jumps every 10 minutes while they're working from home throughout the day. And accumulatively, accumulatively let me get my tongue untied. It just adds up to this whole workout that you've done throughout the day. And then, you know, you can add your walk after work. So incorporating more incidental exercise and, and yeah. exercise around your day rather than just one dedica dedicated movement session is far greater. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and, and that's the thing that we've lost throughout all the lockdowns is that incidental movement, walking around the shops, walking up and down stairs, all of that jazz, you know. It, it's funny because I often see even mums and dads have got no time to exercise, but they'll stand or sit just watching their kid play for half an hour at the park. You can walk around the park. You can play with the kid. Like, you know, there's so many ways to do it. It's just putting your focus on it. You know, I often think that even with I mean, I'll give you this super, super simple one, which is one that I found in the book uh, Atomic Habits, is this woman that lost like 
30 plus kilos and when they uh, the person asked her well how did you do it what did you go about to do it she said oh it was really easy all I did was every time I went to eat or drink something I thought would a healthy person choose this what would a healthy person choose? And I just chose what I thought the healthiest person I know would choose. And if I thought the healthiest person I knew wouldn't eat that, then I didn't eat it. And that's all I did. I didn't focus on a way of eating or whatever. I just thought, would they, wouldn't they? And that meant that if she was out with friends, you know, on a night out and she was telling that healthy person, everyone's sharing a dessert. Yeah, that healthy person probably would share that they wouldn't have a whole one on their own. So she just went about it that way and progressively just lost this massive amount of weight. And, you know, we forget that it could be that simple. Um, it's funny, you, you study nutrition and I'm a big nutrition nerd. And um, if you look at nutrition over the decades and the centuries, you know, what I always like to do is instead of looking at the trends, look at the things that haven't changed and do that. You know, no one's ever said stop eating vegetables or eat less vegetables. So it's a really easy one to go, cool, no matter what happens, I understand that if I eat more vegetables, I'm going to be healthier. So I look at the things that haven't changed. You know, olive oil's always been healthy, you know, and and the things that are extreme or the things that change as the fads come and go, I can understand pretty easily that those are the things that we don't really understand yet. So include them in small amounts, but don't go hell for leather after eating only coconut oil all day, every day. So, you know, it's really easy to stay healthy if you just think you know if I had a farm and I was growing things what would I eat you know or if I you know I look at the trends what hasn't what are the things that people always recommend or every diet you know has as a cornerstone and that is going to be you know eat more plant-based foods eat a little bit of good quality protein a little bit of good well-sourced healthy fats you know and and whole grain carbs that but not in huge amounts definitely and I feel like this whole sort of system, both the fitness industry and the nutrition industry has become so overcomplicated and the consumer doesn't know where to go. Like we've tried to oversimplify an extremely complex system and we've gone down this rabbit hole and we're trying to get these little, you know, diets that are really unsustainable when we haven't looked at the true cause, like you said, the things that have been known to work for so long, and that's fruits, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, seeds, legumes, you know, good quality protein. Yeah. If we can all incorporate more fruits and vegetables into our lifestyle. There's no way, there's no reason why we can't be one of the healthiest populations on the planet. Oh, I totally agree with you. You know, it's, who is it? It's um, a mate. I don't know if you've seen Marissa, Pe- Marissa Peer, who is an incredible, um, I guess she's a hypnotherapist, but she started something called rapid transformation therapy. Um, she's an amazing woman and she just has this way of saying things that's really basic. And she has the four R's, which are uh, one is, did it roam or grow? You know, simple. Did it roam or grow? Cool. Two is, is it in its raw state when you receive it? So you might cook it, of course, or put it together, but is it in its raw state or has it been completely refined? Um, does it rot? So if you kind of left it out on the bench for a week, would it actually rot or would it still be in its perfect same form? And what's the last one? Raw, uh, roam or grow? Oh, do you recognize the ingredients? So, you know, looking on the back of things, do you recognize it or are there numbers and complicated chemicals? And, um, you know, I think that's a really cool, simple system to go, okay, cool. That's basically real food, not food like products when you drill it down to it. And, uh, you know, the number of times clients send me labels of things, I'm like, yes, or you can have a banana. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting here shrugging my shoulders for you guys that can't see it. I know it's one of those things, right? Like I I think there's nothing wrong and and people get caught up like, you know, all the trends these days, even intermittent fasting, which does have some benefits for the right kind of person Mm -hmm. doing it. But do you need it? Like, no, you don't need it to get healthy. Um, You know, it's again, I like to use the video game analogy like, you know, okay, I'm like Donkey Kong, Sonic the Hedgehog era. So if we look at at those things, like if you had never played the game before and you got dropped in at level 10 straight to the big boss on level 10, you're not going to win that. You haven't learned the rules of the game. You haven't practiced them. You haven't, you know, and so you need to start at level one. You need to learn which buttons to push and start to build your skills. So all these things like intermittent fasting and keto and all that stuff's like level 10 and, you know, just understanding just actually being able to eat basic good foods is level one, you know, veggies and salad and fruit, legumes, nuts, seeds, a little bit of good quality, well-sourced protein from animal products, if you like that, and healthy fats, you know, whole grains is, is the basics. And you need to be able to say yes to that before you say yes to any of the other stuff. So, you know, although you're studying things that are completely complex, you know, people, the general Joe Blow who doesn't have complications in their body, 
can get incredible results just from going back to the basics, eat real food, not food like products, you know, so it's interesting. Absolutely, Libby. And, you know, if we haven't built our foundations first, there's no use us going to, you know, like you said, level 10, because that's a completely unsustainable approach. It's like if you bring it back to the gym again, you're not going to go first day and try and deadlift 100 kilos from the floor because you're going to hurt yourself. So let's apply that same principle to nutrition and start building our foundations, incorporate more whole plant foods into our lifestyle, and then we can start progressing on that. And obviously, that's a general consensus. If you've got, you know, chronic conditions and and different things going on, then you would, would be guided by your nutritionist or your dietitian. But yeah, those are fantastic foundations. Now, Libby, we've had an incredible introduction to this conversation we've completely unscripted this which I love I want to take it all back to the beginning and what was life like for Libby growing up oh well I'm a Queenslander growing up so you know I this is why I've been kind of separated from um my sisters throughout all these although one was in Victoria with you guys and managed to move up to just just shy of the New South Wales border. So I'm going to see her soon. But I was a queen planner. So I grew up in Brisbane um, and then moved to the sunny coast. So I, uh, yeah, I had a, a really fun childhood, I guess. I, um, I have two awesome sisters, uh, two lovely parents, and that's lucky in itself. Um, but, yeah, I grew up with a uh, – interestingly, I, I wasn't always as active kind of sporty person, but um, I – when I was in, in primary school, I, I used to be – I was very, very shy, very shy, and I, I got bullied quite often when I was younger. And uh, I remember one holidays, my my kind of mum and dad said to me, okay, enough of you coming home in tears, all this jazz, like do something, become something, belong to a group. My dad was pretty sporty. He was like, come on, let's become the sporty kids. So we spent a, a summer training, running, shot putting, learning how to do all this fitness stuff. Um, and interestingly, you know, this is why I think, Nine times out of ten, what people need when it comes to fitness to make it fun is someone to go, hey, come and have some fun with me. This is really cool. Because for me, that wasn't hard training. It was like, oh, dad wants to spend time with me every day getting me fit, you know, and mum as well got involved, you know, like she'd drive me to, to, you know, learn how to do netball and whatever else. And we just spent a summer like experimenting with sport and play. And um, as it turns out, when it came back, we kind of I entered the athletic carnival and kind of cleaned up and went, oh, that was fun. And then was invited to join the track team and then the touch football team. And then I was suddenly belonging to groups. And so that's one of the reasons that I've built group fitness growing up, to be honest, because those to me were the first times where I sort of belonged to something that, you know, to a team, to a group. And that was incredibly powerful to my confidence. You know, I came out of my shell. I suddenly, you know, had a crew to belong to. Um, And and it was an amazing moment in my life where then I went into high school understanding that, you know, I could find a group just by joining a team. And I I love that. Um, And it also learned, I think, in sport that uh, you don't necessarily, unless you're lucky, get born with these awesome skill sets. Like you go into a sport and you learn the rules and you work at, you know, the delivery and um, you learn to communicate with your team and you get better and better. And suddenly you uh, then put yourself out in a way where you will either win or lose and either way you have to show up with a smile and go, cool, we lost, what can we learn? It's a really, really great training ground. So um, it became something that was a real life lesson for me that, you know, to take into other things as well that you can kind of work on things. So that was my first sort of intro to the sporting world. And um, I was, I'm actually a journalist by trade. So I I love to write and present. Yeah, so I have my degrees in journalism, interestingly. Um, And I worked in that for many years. and kind of made my way back to sport through a bit of a health crisis in my early 20s. But, yeah, childhood was fun. And it was, it was yeah, my first introduction to, to the sporting life. I love that, <laughs> Libby. And I wouldn't mind diving down into the health sort of event that you experienced later in life. But a few things resonated me with, with me with what you just said there. And it's as adults, we've sort of lost that connection with having fun and, and really going out and immersing ourselves and and forgetting time and just enjoying being present and I think we can take a lot to learn from you know children moving their bodies and and having fun like with community sport you see them then they're not focused on the time they're out there with their mates they're getting that connection element and the community element and they're most of all having fun as 
as adults, we've overcomplicated this thing, but if we can find what makes our heart sing, that's how we create sustainable change. And that's what I like to incorporate in my fitness philosophies in trying to find what makes that person's heart sing, because that's how you know that they're going to be able to sustain those things for a long period of time. Mm. And to be honest, you know, you're a PT, I am too. And some of the things that I always, you know, I get approached a lot by young PTs who are like, you know, what's important? What do I need to know? You know, and having been in this industry for so long now, for like a dozen years, all of the best PTs that I've seen create incredible sustainable change, they do two things, you know, well, three things probably. They make it really fun. They connect the community and then they educate. And, you know, I think those are the things to, to focus on because when it, it doesn't have to be fun can come in a different way. You know, I've had different businesses. I started out with a boot camp business where, you know, the fun was, you know, we'd, we'd actually kind of theme the boot camps. It'd be hilarious. We'd pick like random things like a pineapple. Today's a pineapple workout. And we'd set the, you know, it was just so <laughs> silly. The, the cocktail workout and the whole circle we set up in a, in a circuit, in a cocktail shape. And we'd draw them in that way. You know, then I owned a Goja, which was an athletic performance facility. And what we do there and continue to do to the people we sold it to, um, well, they continue to do it. They're great. Is, you know, we'd come up with a sporting theme per week. So it might be, you know, athletes you know over the age of 90 and we'd look at what they're doing in their training regimes and we'd bring that in and you try these different athletes training programs and what they've done over the years or it might be track athletes from the 80s or whatever it might be so people are drawn in by the story they might be doing Usain Bolt's core and leg workout and they don't they want to show up for that because it's interesting you know it's interesting and they can go and say I tried Usain Bolt's core workout and it's all well researched and it's fun and now obviously I do workouts that are based around music and dance and that's fun because it's just a nightclub vibe it's super incredible you know you know it's an ego shedding bounce around connect because we're having fun we're whooping we war cry in our sessions like it is just fun but it's also based in a lot of exercise science so it's um yeah I think and, and there's others you know one of my friends who runs TRX Sydney he is just the funniest guy he always has you know at the start and at the end of a session there'll be a game might be that they're playing hacky sack and everyone has to play it but what it does is it just breaks down the barriers, whether it's music doing it, whether it's a story, whether it's a game of hacky sack, you know, or whether it's the pineapple themed workout, all of these things, they break down barriers and allow people to open up and connect in a way that, you know, helps them to want to come back and, you know, want to be a part of a community. And, and I just love that. And then you're able to educate and you're able to advance people's, you know, movement patterns and, and nutrition, you know, what they're eating and all that jazz. But they've got to kind of trust and love you first and trust and love the community. And I think, um, you know, that's that's really important. It's definitely a lesson that I learned from when I was young, dad going, come on, come on, let's play, let's play, let's go, let's see what we can do, let's just have fun. It was never like, let's train for the athletic carnival. It's like, let's make this sporty kid. Come on, we'll have fun with it. We'll learn stuff. And then when I came back in and I managed to connect to those teams and those groups, it was like, hey, this is an entry into a community. And for me, that's one of the things that I love about owning a boutique space is, you know, people come in and they become part of something and, you know, it's their third space in a way. And I, and I love that. This really can change people's lives um, from a mental health perspective before even a physical one. Yeah, Libby, 100%. I could not agree with you more. It's funny you say that. One of my mentors, actually my high school teacher, we're good mates with him. I'm good mates with him now. He incorporates a whole fitness, uh, game-based fitness element to his workouts where he makes like life-size Monopoly boards. And like you said before, it gets people steering away from the fact that, oh, crap, I said 10 burpees. But if you put a challenge aspect to them, do 10 burpees and pass go and collect $200, like you're like, oh, shit, yeah, I'm going to do 10 burpees. No way. Like. <laughs> It just changes your whole perspective on fitness. I really, really love it. Well, it does. And, you know, still, like, that boot camp was a dozen years ago. And still, you know, they're girls that have moved way back home and they'll comment on, you know, private message me and go, I was just thinking this morning about that outer space workout we did on that summer day in, you know, <laughs> 2000 or whatever. And I'll be like, oh, man, like, it's, it just goes to show, you know. Or someone contacted me the other day that said, you know that, uh, I think it was like a, a snakes and ladders workout we did. I still do that every Saturday with my kids. Like, it's just crazy. And that's like, you know, things from 10, 11 years ago. So I think um, 
yeah, people remember games and fun. Like it's a fact that anything that you learn when there's an emotion attached, whether that's a strong emotion, like, you know, it was scary or whether it's a, an emotion like it was fun and you were laughing, people remember it. And, and you know, you can set a positive, you know, relationship with fitness to someone just by making them laugh about it or making them smile and making them want to do it rather than feel like they should. So yeah, I'm big on that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely love that. Now, Libby, let's take it a little bit back to that little health condition that, that you had and you you combated in your 20s. Do you want to take us through a little bit about what happened there? And then was that sort of the catalyst for you becoming a trainer? Well, yeah, it was. I, I guess um, since I was young, I'd stayed in coaching and also dance. I'd gone into dance. I'd become a choreographer through that. Um, so I had been coaching dance. I had coached touch football, young track athletes, all that jazz. So I'd kind of been on the side in the space. Um, but I'd also gone out of it then for a number of years, you know, when I was really focused on my journalism career and did a bit of traveling with that and all that jazz. So, um, yeah, but in my mid twenties, I sort of, uh, I basically had been doing some work over in the UK, um, in journalism over there. And also on weekends in pubs as you do. And, <laughs> and uh, cause it's fun. Um, and I, I remember just, all of a sudden I started getting extreme symptoms just out of the blue. I was starting to have these massive chronic headaches that I'd never had. Uh, I was feeling nauseous every day. I had, you know, at this pace, I wasn't this shy young kid anymore. I loved communicating, public speaking. And yet I'd have to talk to someone, do an interview for work and I'd be shaking, going red, sweating. And it was just really unlike me. And um, it came midway through a really bad flu that I'd picked up. And, um, you know, we can probably all relate to this now. I, it was funny because back then we didn't really understand that these things could change our biology, but for me, it really did. Um, I came home, got over the flu, but continued to have these horrible symptoms. And I, yeah, they were just incredibly ex extreme to the point where I couldn't, you know, I just get through a day at work with many bouts of nausea, chronic headaches all day. I'd get home, I'd put myself in a dark room at 5.30 PM and I'd stay there till the next morning. I couldn't exercise. I couldn't drink coffee. I couldn't have a drink about nothing, you know? And, um, was barely managing to eat real food at this point. And I just remember this was going on for almost a year. And I, I'd gone to the doctor. They'd said, this is really confusing for your age. Maybe it's anxiety. But I'd never been an anxious person. I, there was no reason for that to be going on. So I sort of just didn't. I was like, well, whatever. They don't know what they're talking about. I'll just move forward with life. And I went to donate blood one day. So I'm an O negative. So I'm constantly getting, you know, asked to go in and take, you know, to give blood. And I... Um, I couldn't for a while there because when you travel to the UK, you can't for a while. And I'd passed the threshold where I could. So I went back in, donated blood and they freaked out. And turns out my blood pressure was like three times normal. You know, normally it should be at the maximum for that age, like 120 over 70, 80. And mine at that point was like almost, it was like 280 or something over about 170. Like it was, it basically ranged between, between 250 and 280 and between 150 and 180 was crazy high. And I realised it's been going on for a long time and had to go straight to hospital, get sorted. I, I mean, I they couldn't figure out what the source was. I ended up having to go on a huge amount of medication. And they kind of said to me, this will be for life and there's nothing you can do about it. Maybe eat a bit less salt. What does that mean? You know, like I, I had no idea what that meant. Um, and as it turns out, you know, I think that, that that flu or whatever I'd got had really changed my biology and I kind of thought, oh, I don't want to, like, I couldn't have kids on that medication. It was making me have all sorts of horrible side effects. I got really terrible acne. I was, I did feel really anxious for the first time in my life. Like, it just, it wasn't nice. Um, and so I thought, you know, surely there's something I can do. And it was the first time that I sort of explored nutrition. So I went and saw a nutritionist, a naturopath, um, and I learned that actually the food that TV tells us is good isn't that good. <laughs> You know, like still to this day, I'm, you know, I think I did a post on the weekend where in, in a, the Sunday lift out was this, you know, the best breakfast foods. And it was like jam and muffins and, you know, cereal. And it's because they're obviously being sponsored by these companies that make big money by telling us that's what we should eat. And they're just shit foods. Like I never, and I'm not being funny, like I never eat cereal anymore. I, like if I do, it's because I'm at a campsite and that's what's there as a treat. Like, you know, it, if I do, I'll, I'll eat oats, sure, that I put myself with some nuts plain and, you know, but that's it. There's no way I'm going to eat a 
bucket of Sultana brand. So it's a really, um, it was an interesting learning curve to understand that actually the things that I was eating for the majority of my day were not real foods with vitamins and minerals and stuff that would help my natural immune system to come back from this. And in fact, what I was accidentally eating were a lot of inflammatory oils like sunflower and canola, which I've since learned are in everything. Like there's all these health experts saying, eat hummus, it's great. But when you look at the back of a pack of hummus, 90% of the market, one of the first ingredients is sunflower oil or canola oil. Those are hideous foods for your body. So, you know, I eat hummus, but it's got olive oil or it's got none, you know? And so it's it's just one of those things where I just wasn't aware of what big food companies were telling us was good or what they were filling their products with. And so just even understanding how to read the back of a package and understand who was making products with real food ingredients and who isn't. And since I now own a couple of food production companies, I understand that it's very tempting to put those crap fillers in. But at the time, it was just a process of learning what real food was. And all I did, people were like, what's the miracle cure? I'm like, I slowly worked myself off medication over the course of about seven or eight years. It was not instant. Um, and it was a process of undoing all the crappy you know, food habits that I'd learned to incorporate. And it wasn't about being strict. It was just about understanding that I was nutrient deficient. I was putting in all these fillers and chemicals into my body and, and it was a case of undoing that and slowly helping my body recover and, and have its natural immune system come back to the fore. So, yeah, that, that yeah. was my case. I had to get into the industry and, and fitness was the, the quickest way to do it. <laughs> what a what a roller coaster of a journey there, Libby. And I, like, I love what you said there. You had like this aha moment and you started looking inwards and really focusing on the things that you can control and and how potentially the the guidelines that we're given down from us and the things we are immersing ourselves in every day are wrong and they're missing the mark and they're steering away from that connection with whole food and, and connection with your body just for a marketing point of view. And uh, it's funny, like this word moderation always gets me on that note as well, Libby, because there's no actual quantifiable thing for moderation. Like you could speak to someone that has three Mars bars a week and say, oh yeah, that's moderation. Then you could speak to someone that has one Mars bar a week and say, yeah, but that's moderation. Then someone could have six Mars bars a week and that's their moderation. It's no way of providing health advice if you're talking about moderation because the general consumer can apply moderation to anything that they're doing completely for me I'm like cool if we're having fish and chips on the beach once every few months that's awesome but aside from that that's not going to be something that's in my 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 own personal food pyramid whereas you know sometimes moderation for people is like oh cool I'll just have that once every second day and that's still too much so it's an interesting you're exactly right the world again moderation is not step one step one is just uh real more real food that's in its raw form Absolutely, Libby, and like people out there, and I understand from the consumer point of view, it's super, super hard to navigate around what's good, credible information because Susie is posting on her Facebook feed what's really, really good for her, but then you've got a nutritionist that's also posting on her Facebook feed who's done a degree in this and understands the body in and out. Like it's really hard to distinguish between credible sources of information for the consumer. But I think one thing that we spoke about before and everyone agrees on is that whole foods, fruits and vegetables are healthy. So let's incorporate more of them into our lifestyle. Yeah, like the stuff that we can grow, guys, like veggies, fruits, some whole grains, a bit of good quality protein, whether you get that from plant foods or from animal products. So there's a whole, it's like a Pandora's box, but start just with, yes, start with more plant-based, you know, eating more veggies, more fruit. If you're sourcing protein, have a, you know, have a small amount of animal products that's come from an environment that, you know, is good and, and start there, start there and don't demonize grains because we actually do need some whole grains, you know, for a lot of us who are really active, but in saying that you can also have starchy veg. So there goes the veggies again. People just forget that they can be awesome. Beautifully said, Libby, beautifully said. Now I want to unpack this wonderful journey you've been on as a trainer. I know you've been into some incredible opportunities. I remember watching you on TV, The Biggest Loser. I loved your energy and I loved your philosophy to training. I want to know how did that opportunity come about? Yeah, look, I think um, that was, it was The Biggest Loser transformed the season I did. And it was an amazing opportunity for me to do you know, what had been an iconic show in a more holistic way, 
I don't think it was necessarily in the end as exciting a way to, for everyone to watch. Like it turns out people love trainers screaming at people covered in mud. But, you know, for <laughs> us, we wanted to actually help them to understand, like, you know, I didn't let my team diet from day one and restrict I was like you guys need to understand step one we're going to start to enjoy food we're going to start to move our bodies more um but it came about just literally there was a big audition process um it wasn't for the biggest loser at the time it was just for um you know to contribute to a show as a health professional I really wanted to do that I'm very passionate about making things a little bit more easy to understand I thought there was something I could bring to the table I thought it was just going to be you know a journalistic piece like you know, we're popping up on the show, like the Today Show, whatever, just talking about stuff. Um, as it turns out, it was an opportunity to be part of The Biggest Loser Transformed. And, you know, they liked the line or the, the area that I came from. They wanted to give it a different vibe. They wanted us to work with the contestants for longer in a more sustainable way. And, uh, and I got the gig. So it was just one of those weird moments where it was the right time, uh, the right place. And, you know, I didn't know what it was, but I, I just came in and chatted to them about what I loved and what I was passionate about and they liked it so it worked out um and honestly it was one of the most incredible experiences of my life um simply from the point that they you know they had screened the country for the people that needed the most to be put into an experience where they could change their life but probably couldn't afford it in their own personal life to even see a trainer. These are people that would never maybe have walked into a trainer's office. They either couldn't afford it, they weren't confident enough to do it because it does take a certain level of confidence to book in with a trainer. You know, we can be scary. (laughs) You know, where we are, it's like me booking in with a prima ballerina in some ways to, you know, do a ballet class. Like that's confronting because I don't know how to do that. And this person really not understands how to do it. And that's scary. So these people, they put their hand up for change. They actually didn't know at the time that they were coming into the biggest loser transformed either. Um, they just, they just put their hand up and say, you know, I'd love some advice to change my life. And, and, you know, they thought they'd just be working with an expert in a small capacity. And it turns out it was the biggest loser transformed. We got to be in with them for three months, you know, where they had nothing else to focus on but changing their habits. Um, and that was really special. And because we did it in a holistic way, where typically, you know, in that kind of experience, it's extreme around the world, 20% of people might maintain the change. For us, all of them maintain the change. To this day, those people are now PTs, nutritionists, awesome, healthy people in their own lives, you know, and they continue to change and to evolve because they've come at it from a place of curiosity, which was something that I'm really proud I was able to instill in them is, you know, this, this place of curiosity. So um, yeah, it was, it was really awesome. And I I continue to be in touch with all those people and they're living great lives. So I loved it. Libby, there's nothing more fulfilling than that. And like taking it back to, the start of that conversation when, you know, like the way that we market sustainable change and longevity, it's not sexy and it doesn't appeal to people, which really frustrates me coming from a longevity point of view. Like I want my clients to develop sustainable habits and not only lose the weight and not only be their trainer to fix their quick fix, I want to be their only fix. And like you said, with all those biggest loser contestants, change their life. And it's really disheartening for me to see like that, aspect of the biggest loser not continue because hearing those success stories of those people that have completely transformed their life whereas you know when you take a not saying that the people that were on previous seasons didn't change their lives but they potentially didn't understand the habits that relay back into everyday life and you're going into this environment where it's completely controlled you're controlling your calories you're training two three times a day like completely unsustainable and then you go back into everyday life and like it's a rude shock and I love that sustainable way because like you said the proof's in the pudding yeah well it's true I mean we aside from having them for three months in the house we also worked with them for three months once they went home so that was really cool because I could look at what their habits at home were how we can start to stack the good habits they'd learned on the show you know when we're in the house with habits that they were already doing at home you know like I said you can change someone's life just by telling them to do five minutes of workout when they first wake up they're waiting for the kettle to boil, you know, after a drink of water. And, and, it, and it was always starting to look at that, to look at as well. And the good thing is we got to look at with them, you know, they'd go home and they'd be like, I found this cool gym, you know, it's 25 minutes that way. And it's similar to how we trained in the house. But I'd be like, you're never going to sustain that. Where's the one that's 30 seconds from your house? That's the one you're going to. 
you know, because that's close. It doesn't matter if it's not sexy. Like, you know, you need something that is, it's right there in front of your face. You know, it's easy to get to. It doesn't take too much time. And, you know, it's starting to stack the habits that you already have with the habits that you want. You know, it's interesting. You know, it's, it's similar to if your habit is you finish dinner, you immediately get the chocolate and sit on the couch. Um, you know, how can you look at getting something and taking it to the couch a different way? Can you can stack that habit with, as soon as I finish dinner, I put the kettle on, I make a cup of herbal tea, I sit on the couch. And your habit then becomes, you know, you sit on the couch with a cup of tea. If you still want the chocolate after that, sure. But nine times out of 10, you fall from the tea, you go brush your teeth, you go to bed. So, you know, it's just looking at those little things that can make a big difference and looking at your own habits. Like, you know, if, if you're someone that, I don't know, likes to snooze your alarm, something I can do is like, if people have already got their snooze set up, get out of bed and do your workout in that snooze time, then finish it when the next one goes off. Like there's all these little things you can do to just stack on top of your current habits. But yeah, it was great to be able to look at what they're currently doing and uh, and be able to, to look at what's happening at home because yeah, you can make big changes because it's all about habit really. You know, as you know, it's not really about the calories, it's about the habits you have. And setting up the ones you want in a way that suits your lifestyle. Definitely. Uh, on that note, you're re replaying some aha moments from the Atomic Habits book there, Livia. I love it. And yeah. I was listening to a podcast with James Clear and he was relaying back to a person that he was speaking to and he was saying that this guy wanted to make a sustainable habit of getting to the gym five days a week. So five days of the week, he'd get up out of bed and he'd work on the first two minutes of that habit. So he'd get out of bed, he'd open the door and he'd go sit in his car and then he'd get out of his car and go back into house and go to bed. So he was building that habit for the first two minutes every week trying to build on that and he'd get to the point where he'd walk into the to the gym then walk out and go back and like that sounds crazy to some people but it got to the point where he'd ingrained that habit of getting up getting out of bed and getting to the gym that when he got there it was sustainable for him to just do the workout and leave and I think that's yeah. a, a very extreme partake on something that is so simple but it's really really true I mean you know I it's the first part of any habit that is the most difficult. Like when I want to give up coffee for a while, because every now and then I'm like, okay, I need a break from coffee. <laughs> when you start to rely on it too much, um, you know, I will switch it with something else so that I'm still doing the first part of the habit where, because you do the opposite when you want to break something, right? It's like, I'll just swap with something that's also, and I'll start with something that's still a little bit delicious. Like, you know, for example, if I have before you speak coffee, usually they've got a decaf version, you know, with a, a calming herb in it. So I might go and have that instead. And then I might slowly work my way to a herbal tea. It's not like from one extreme where you're going creamy latte straight down to a herbal peppermint tea. It's like there are steps. You've got to kind of work on those first few minutes and all the first few steps. You don't have to go from zero to hero. Although for some people that can be a good strategy. It depends on your personality, which goes to show that it's about what works for you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And you've given us some fantastic bits of advice to take home for the listeners listening at home. And I've got one more question for people that I think will really resonate with a lot of people. And that's, you know, trying to build long-term goals, right? So we often have this big goal in mind and it's, for example, it's want to lose 10 kilos, but we forget the process in that in that aspect and we that's how I feel how we start to create unsustainable things because we're so goal driven that we forget the process and the process is where the magic happens what are some bits of advice for people out there in your experience for them to really celebrate the small wins along the way because we know and what we know in this industry is that that's what keeps us going to work towards our ultimate goal yeah it's interesting because I think um one thing for me is I hate just goals for the sake of having a goal right? Like, you know, a goal that's like, someone might come to you and say, oh, I need to lose 20 kilos. That's my goal. I'm heading for it. And it's like, yes, you've got to figure out the process within there. But you, for me, I like to also say, what does that mean to you? Like, uh, for example, we had, there's a young girl, Nikki, who came on the show, The Biggest Loser Transformed. And she's an easy example of it because she's awesome. She came on, she was like, I just want to feel beautiful. I just want to feel beautiful. I felt fat and ugly my whole life. I just want to feel beautiful. I, okay, cool. So, you know, that is a really nice byproduct. But when I drilled deep into it, she had a daughter. She got pregnant young. She sort of 
Uh, yeah, she it, it really kind of drilled down on her confidence that she stayed at home. She gained a lot of weight. Bottom line was, she said to me, you know, it's so hard because my partner will take Lily out and she'll he'll play with her, but. I am too, I feel too disgusted in myself to actually leave the house. So when I, when it's my turn to have her, she'll ride her scooter around the hallway and she'll be asking me, mummy, can we go outside? And I have to say no, because I'm too embarrassed. You know, she wants to go to the beach like she does with daddy. Um, so I say yes, but she can't go into the water because I don't want to ever get into a pair of bikinis or a togs to go in there with her. So I wear long shirt, long pants, big cover up, and I make her stay on the beach, even if it's a really hot Queensland day. And so I was like, okay, so all these things that you're telling me about, although your goal is to lose your 20 kilos or whatever and feel beautiful, actually what you want is to, to be an awesome, fun, adventurous mum. And then she broke down immediately. She's like, yes, that's all I want. I want to be able to do these things. So I was like, okay, well, let's forget focusing on the rest of it. Like what you value is being a really fun mum and giving your daughter this awesome active life and you want her to feel great her whole life. So what you're valuing there is, you know, is that relationship with your daughter. So let's focus on that rather than focusing on this goal that's become so judgmental for yourself. Let's focus on, you know, adding adventure to your life. And, and so, you know, that that's her value. And actually aligning your health outcomes with your values is much more powerful because suddenly every time your alarm goes off, you're thinking, you know, I'm giving, this is a gift to my daughter, you know, I'm working on myself so I can give this gift to my daughter. And you're much more likely, where as humans, most of us are quite empathetic, we're much more likely to do something for others than we are for ourselves. But the outcome is that she feels great about herself after doing all this stuff that's building a better life for Lily. And now she's actually a PT that fo who focuses on, you know, create everyone helping everyone else to create these awesome adventurous lifestyles for themselves and their families because that's what she's built. She's got out there climbing mountains and playing in fields with her daughter now, whereas before she was riding a scooter around a hallway, you know, it's a it's creating a better life and a better life culture for yourself. You know, if you're an entrepreneur that wants to build this multi-million dollar business, I guarantee that you are not going to be able to do that without an incredibly healthy body. You need to be a role model for your staff. Like if you've got an energetic person who's encouraging everyone to go out for walking meetings, they're pumped about everything, you know, they're making sure that they log off early to go get their kids and play at the park. And that allows you to actually prioritize your family too. That's inspiring. That's a great role model. So for an entrepreneur, it's like, what kind of team culture do you want? And you need to create that life culture for yourself. So it's aligning it with your values, whatever they may be, whether they're family, work, whether they're personal goals, you know, personal things that mean a lot to you personally, you know, aligning your own health habits with your personal values and, you know, creating a life culture that is inspiring for you and the people you want to inspire around you. I mean, that's where, that's where to go. So look at what you, yeah, look at, look at how you're a role model for either your family, your work, whoever it is, and, and even to yourself and, or your team and, and create your, your healthy habits based around that kind of person, what you want to do and what you want to create. I'm blown away. That's incredible advice, Libby. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And if this time has taught us anything, it's that, you know, the materialistic things that we once valued so highly, they don't matter anymore. And what's really, really important is our health and our well-being. So this is a fantastic point in time to really start investing in yourself and really starting investing in your health because, you know, like we said, that's the only thing important that's important. Look, at 100%, if there's anything I learned from that time of having that crazy high blood pressure, it was that we take our health for granted and as soon as you actually have a major issue for one day two days one week you realize that it's the most important thing because without your health you actually can't do all the other cool stuff you want to do and I've got an amazing friend Taryn Brumfit who started um, the body positivity movement and she she oh, what was her film called oh my god why have I forgotten it now I've had a blank anyway Taryn Brumfit I'm going to come back to you on that one um she basically says your body is your vehicle to help you go and live your dreams. So it doesn't matter what size it is, you know, stop worrying about the silly things like, you know, how you look or whatever and start feeding this vehicle the right things to help you get to the place you want to go. Start moving it in a way because you love it because it's this amazing vehicle to get you towards your goals and give you the life that you can only dream about, this one chance we have on earth to do to go out and have some fun so I love that I love that amazing I um I use a similar sort of question with my clients as well and it's um 
what would your life look like if you stopped trying to lose weight and you started trying to be healthy and like it just sparks up all these different ideas and your perspective of fitness and nutrition changes I've got to find this so just don't go anywhere yeah <laughs> body image movement um oh her movie's called embrace embrace e-m-b-r-a-c-e it's incredible it's an amazing film that really changes the way you think about your body and why you're treating it the way you are and um i definitely recommend it i'll have that in the show notes for you guys as well yeah cool now libby coming to the end of the podcast it's been a blast we've had so much fun we've you know gone over some incredible tips for people on all you know different areas of fitness and wherever you are in your fitness journey, I want to know what's your main message and why do you get out of bed each and every day? Ooh, you know, I, you know, that last thing we topped on there, like what I kind of specialize in, I think what I love doing is actually helping people to create a really incredible life culture. I'm not your PT that just loves exercise. You know, for me, it incorporates everything. It's giving people a place to connect. Um, it's helping to educate them in a really fun and simple way and help them to make small changes that help them to build this incredible life culture that's full of movement. You know, a body that is, you know, not we're not obsessing about what we're eating, but we understand how to eat well most of the time, um, that we are connected to an incredible, incredible community that's supportive and um, no ego, just, you know, you know, all heart, no ego. Um, so I'm all about helping people to create an incredible life culture. Like even down to my, I have two food businesses, Chief Bar and Beauty Food, and they're all about giving people, you know, sustainable snack options that have absolutely no crap in them as well. So it's helping make people to make easier I, I guess decisions for them, or I guess healthy decisions that help make their life better and easier. Um, so yeah, for me, it's all about like, we know what it's like to have a good or bad team culture. Let's create awesome life cultures for ourselves because, you know, without that, what's life about? We're here to have fun, uh, but we need to respect our bodies and our mental health and help it along a little bit to, to have the best experience here on earth. So create an awesome life culture for yourself. Don't tell your kids what to do or not to do. Live an awesome, awesome, healthy life that shows them uh, from this awesome role model they're watching how to live a healthy, awesome life too. You know, raise, raise yourself up to help raise those around you. Create an awesome life culture wherever you go for you and your peeps. Absolutely, Libby. I've got one final question and I know people will oh. be racking their brains like trying to figure out how you fit everything into your busy schedule. You, you know, being a mum is a full-time job in itself. How do you divide your time between everything? Look, I used to be a massive perfectionist and before I had my kid and now I'm just not. <laughs> <laughs> like in terms of, you know, when I, for the first six months of busy, I'd be trying to like manage all my businesses perfectly and, you know, make sure I was responding to every email perfectly. I don't even, I barely, as you probably found, I barely look at my email. <laughs> I, I figure that the people that who it matters most to connect with me and to get me working with them, they're going to hassle me a multitude of ways till I'm there in front of them and we're going to do some great work together. Um, and the, the, the people that don't, you know, that are just doing it to tick a box, like it falls by the wayside. Um, I now on my days that I'm with Izzy, which are a Wednesday and Thursday, I don't try and do work. I focus on her. I, I figured out early on I cannot do both things well. It's just I feel like a crap mom or I feel like a crap business owner. And now I just go, guys, you know, I come back at Friday, I've got a thousand messages. I'm like, sorry, I'm with my daughter the last two days. What can I do? And, you know, I, I, I just focus on one thing at a time. You know, when I'm with my team, I'm not also trying to answer a thousand customer service emails. I'm with them and I'm having fun and I'm choreographing or whatever we're doing and creating and that leaves them feeling a lot better than if I got a little bit more done on the business side and um, you know for me I get up crazy early to get things done at a time where it doesn't affect my relationships or um, the outcome I want to have with other people so if I start teaching people at 6am I get up at 4am I get ready for half an hour and then I have a whole hour 4.30 to 5.30 where I can work uninterrupted on my businesses then I go and I'm in person training people then I'm with my team you know, then I'll go and have a break over lunch and I sit and eat with my food properly without, you know, distractions. And then I'll have an, a power hour before I pick my daughter up in the afternoon where, again, I work hard for an hour with no distractions. I put the phone away. And, you know, then the next morning, I'm if I'm not teaching till late, I'm still up at four and I'm still I'm taking as much time as I can then. I go to bed early. You know, I, I don't work when I'm exhausted. It's, um, yeah, that's... Uh, 
it's work at the times for you where you know you can focus. I no longer get distracted by this. I just kind of have to really block my time. It's either work hard, get the business admin done, or it's be with my kid, or it's be with my team, or it's go to bed. <laughs> it's not all of them at once. It's not in bed with my phone, you know, trying to get a last bit of work done. Like, too bad. If someone's annoyed the next morning, I will genuinely say, I'm so sorry I didn't see your message and get you into that class you wanted to. My daughter goes to bed early. I get up early. We're off We're off the grid by eight. So, you know, I'm just honest with people. I'm authentic. And, um, you know, I block my time as best I can. Fair. I still miss things. A lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> but you've, you're okay with that. And I think that's fantastic bits of advice for anyone out there. Libby, thank yeah, you so much. Human, man. We, don't, we can't do everything perfectly. And... Yeah, it's it's one of those things. We have great, I hire people for the things that I know are business critical. Like I have an awesome admin girl that's online a lot of the time, picking up things where I'm not for um, you know, our customers at least. And yeah, do what you can and don't don't spend the time, the rest of your time beating yourself up for not doing it perfectly. You know, if I spent, if I spent all my day on Wednesday with Izzy worrying about all the things I was missing, I'd miss her, you know? So, you can't have yeah. joy in the presence of guilt. I, that's a great way to put it, you know. And for me, my own life culture is I'm 100% present when I need to be and then, you know, I'm focused on other important things when I don't, when it's not critical. And I think, you know, that's really important. I don't want to be that mum that was checked out and I don't want to be that business owner that's too busy to have fun with my staff and you know I also don't want to be that trainer and this is really important if you're going to training never bring a bad mood with you to training use you know I always say to trainers step into your environment like you are on stage and put on a show because you don't know how much of an opportunity you have to completely change someone's day like lift them up don't walk in going I'm having a bad day I've had trainers like that see you later I, I don't care what's going on if you are not in the right zone to show up that day call me and say I'm not in the right zone to show up and I will show up in your place if I'm not in the right place I will cancel the class like it's I rarely do that but probably done it once but you know it, it's important to understand that that is also your release it's your opportunity to make you and them feel better don't show up in a bad place like that's not our job that's not our job it's not our opportunity I should say Absolutely. Beautifully said, Libby. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us all today. I've thoroughly enjoyed this and I can't wait to um, to launch this one. Oh, it's been so fun. And you're, I've got a beautiful, beautiful energy about you, Matt. So thank you for sharing that with me. Wow, E, what an incredible opportunity that was. It was a real pinch me moment having the opportunity to sit down with Libby and discuss all things health and wellness. I distinctly remember watching every episode of The Biggest Loser Transform season and I really resonated with Libby's passion, excitement and energy when coaching. So naturally I was fangirling when she agreed to come on the show. So thank you so much for your time today, Libby. I hope you guys got a lot out of that episode if you did don't forget to head on over to itunes leave a rating and review for the show it would mean the absolute world that's all i have for you this week friends i hope you have a fantastic week and i'll see you next time on the euphoria health podcast